on the cover. Midas hangs upside down from the ceiling in a dark warehouse bound in chains. He stares defiantly at Jack Steele, who is casually lighting a cigar with a blowtorch with one hand, while the other hovers indecisively over an array of knives, pliers, and power tools displayed on a metal table. Behind them, visible in the distance through a grimy window, Mount Olympus rumbles and glows with an ominous, fiery orange light. Wonder World Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 5, A Rose Amongst Thorns, Issue 5, Digging Deep. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Our comic opens kind of early the next morning. The team has just kind of had uh, like a campfire chat with Geodica. She's kind of explained the problem she's facing with the, the great earth spirits and kind of how the team can help her or thinks how she thinks the team will be able to help her. Eden, you have tried getting a hold of Midas several times. He is still unavailable, despite you are pretty sure his cell phone is in this plane of existence. <laughs> Sam is just out cold, sweating and shaking in some sort of fever dream, while Waldo kind of sits worriedly and kind of licks at his forehead every once in a while. What is everyone else doing? Early in the morning as the camp is coming to life. KT gently floats down towards the ground and hovers several inches above it. Nice. <laughs> Waldo looks up at you with his big brown eyes and kind of whimpers softly. What's everybody else doing? <laughs> I mean, I'm staring at KT. <laughs> Like, like, do do they always do that? Do they do they always just like ominously hang around above us? Or I'm usually watching from a greater distance above. It's like a panel of of Ryan looking shocked because didn't realize KT could like hear that, um, and is like, uh, any particular reason? No. <laughs> That's pretty chill. That's fair. Okay. Eden, what are you up to? How much uh, did we know about where Midas was going? I can't remember because I know there was some communication. You knew that Threshold had kind of asked him to talk to Allison about something? But you haven't heard from him since then. And it wasn't supposed to take that long. You don't remember. Don't remember thinking it would take that long. Yeah, I think Eden's going to kind of be maybe packing up a little bit then with the intention of going looking for him. From the sound of it, um, Geotica and her crew are going to be trying to do a little diplomacy with some giant earth spirit things and give it given that eden's strong suit is not that i I don't think she necessarily sees a use for herself here cool cool if eden's like packing up and stuff ryan can like ryan's gonna like 
go to pick Sam up because <laughs> he's stuffed, right? <laughs> he's just uh, passed out in his sleeping bag. Yeah, he's he's the stuff that we have to pack up and take home, right? Like, <laughs> take care get of him, him. Get him bundled up into the RV. Awesome. Rin is also pacing anxiously and just kind of like running her finger over his sword, wringing her hands, doesn't, looks very agitated. Um, I'm going to look at her and say... I'm going to go look for Midas. You can come with me if you want, or you can stay here with whatever's going on. Do, do, do you think he is in danger? I don't think he's not in danger. <laughs> I don't, I do not think he is not in danger either. Yeah. Mm. I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think with that, we um, we turn the page and we see the panels are blurry, um, kind of half focused as Midas's eyes are just starting to open. You hear kind of like the clinking of chains, kind of the humming of like some machinery far off in the distance. Uh, you realize you're you're hanging upside down. And you also feel just super weak and drained, just like lethargic, like your arms just weigh a ton. And as you kind of come more and more to your senses, you realize that you're upside down on this like, like strapped to a table, basically. And there are like, uh, like IV drips, basically going into your arms, but they're siphoning out your, like, this black ichor from your blood, and Suit is, like, constantly trying to, like, regenerate and protect you, but it's, like, slowly withering away as they are just sucking and siphoning this dark nightmare ichor off of you. Hmm. That's not good. It is not. You hear the soft thud, thud, the uh, baby seal skin boots approaching. Forgot about this. Um, am I chained? Up? What am I chained to? You are. You are. Um. You are like a uh, strapped to a table, like a medical operating table that's like tilted ninety mm. degrees. Cool. I am afraid to say this, but what if I try to unleash some shit? You're just going going straight straight to the unleashing of the shit, huh? I, I mean, what else am I going to do? Talk to this guy? <laughs> you could. <laughs> <laughs> That's, we don't do that here. But it is only has one mode, and it is on. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, yeah, you could you could definitely try and unleash some shit are you going to try and uh charge up some burn or just go and unleash your powers or? so so in our our last the end of our last adventure right before i got shot down, i charged up three burn and i didn't use it does that mm-hmm. mean i still have it burn goes away or at the end of the uh scene ah that is true that is fair 
Yeah, I think you've been out for some time, so it makes sense that that is dissipated, that energy. Hmm. All right, I'm going to try and charge it again. Excellent, excellent. Go roll 2d6 plus the number of conditions you have marked, which is like four. <laughs> which is about maxed out. Most of them. <laughs> Ooh, we're looking good. Actually, all I need is a one. And I got a three. So. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so I charge up some burns. Would you? Would you get total? Fourteen. Fourteen. Excellent. Yes, you are pissed. And as this uh, nightmare energy and ichor kind of flares up around you, and suit kind of surges back to life as you wake up, you hear Jack Steele's voice. Oh, ho, ho, looks like we got a lively one here. Now, uh, where do you think you're going here, boy? Um, home? (laughs) (laughs) Now, you see here, I used to work with a a woman who was able to produce this same uh, icarus substance you got going on here. uh, Well... It's mighty valuable, you see, and uh, our sources have all gone and dried up. Ooh, that's a shame. You should probably go talk to your old friend about that. Ah, see, I would, son, I would. But you see, someone stuck a sword through her chest. Ooh, sounds like she might even be having more of a rough day than I am. You wouldn't believe it. You know who else is having a rough day, son? I am. Because <laughs> my profits have been tanking. Well, uh, I guess you could sell those boots. Yeah, make up some cash. I have, uh, I think I got something better in mind. <laughs> um, a yard sale? You're cute, kid. <laughs> but listen, you are in way over your head. And he draws a just gigantic, like, knife. A knife. From his belt. (laughs) And he is shifting your labels right there. He is telling you that you are just a kid who's playing at being a superhero and stumbled into a warehouse. And now you're, yeah, you're, you're, Kind of boned. So he's raising your mundane and he is lowering your danger. Do you uh, accept or reject that? What happens if I reject it? Uh, you make a roll. Flat 2d6. What happens if I fail that? Well, you, um, if, if you fail to reject someone's words, then they hit your, their words hit you hard. You uh, mark a condition and the GM gets to shift your labels. Ooh. Oh, I can't mark any conditions. So I guess I'll let it happen just this once. So, yeah, you open your mouth to let out a, a witty retort and just kind of, it gets kind of caught in your throat a little bit as you look around and realize that this is filled with like power tools and cutting torches and a wide array of uh, like surgeons, scalpels. And that Jack is admiring lovingly. I'd like to make a note to the audience that before 
I felt a little sad what I was going to say when he said that I was in over my head. I was going to say, well, if you could flip me back up right side, then I wouldn't be over my head anymore. <laughs> but also, as as I realized what I was going to say, I was going to it didn't. It didn't sound as cool. No, as what no. I, I think so, you just. I think you say it and it just doesn't <laughs> land quite the way you think it does. <laughs> and, and yeah, your voice kind, kind of, of compounds to my feelings. Yeah, yeah. Your voice kind of wavers a little bit as Jack finally <laughs> la- lands on a nice, solid red crowbar and turns back towards you. Let's check in with our our friends back up on the mountain real quick. So, Moonflower, you are packing up to leave. What is everyone else doing when they see this? KT shall float over towards Moonflower and watch her pack. The silent observer. Finn kind of wanders over and says, uh, Um, uh, Miss Moonflower, are you going somewhere? Yes. Well, well, Sam is still like, I don't know, he doesn't look very good. And then the the nice lady who lives in the mountain was saying that we needed to, like, talk to her friend, the rock lady, or they might, like, move the mountain on top of the city or something. I wasn't really paying attention because I was playing with Waldo, but it sounded important. Yes, someone needs to talk to the people. That someone probably shouldn't be me. Aren't you, like, the leader of the team? Uh, she does, like, preen a little at that. (laughs) Um, and says, yeah, but I think some of the other people can handle this one. I have to go look for Midas. Okay, well, you don't have to worry about us, because I'm, I'm an adventurer now. And, and I'll, I'll look after Sam and make sure he's, he's safe. Um, Ian's gonna kind of, like, lean down next to him and look at him like very seriously and say, that's right. That's your mission for now. Okay. You keep an eye on him. I will. Uh, who's in charge while you're gone? Eden surveys the people who are remaining at this scene. <laughs> <laughs> and says... Everyone well, else is totally in a field. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's going to say, they're all co-leaders, but you should listen to any of them. What? And then she looks at Roxanne and says, except maybe her. Okay, got it. Eden has a lot of reservations right now. I can tell, yeah. Yeah. Um, do, Aiden, are you going? Are you do you want like backup? You, you're, you know, if what if you you know go and then uh, you know, you you know you disappear like Midas did. Like, if I disappear, it's on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's a that's a no then. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll pick Finn up onto my shoulders if he wants. Oh yeah, he's way down. Yeah, cool. Okay, so he's sitting on my shoulders, and I'll just be like, "All right, adventurer, what are we doing?" We have to save the city. Yep, 
I gotta need a direction to walk in. Um, I don't know. Maybe follow the magic rock lady. She went up the hill that way towards that big old tree. Alrighty, and I'm gonna I'm gonna set off with Finn. Awesome, Stitch. What are you doing as Moonflower starts heading back into town? Stitch is uncharacteristically grumpy. It's been a rough time for her. She closes Half Light and bookmarks it and hands it to Zoltana and says, "Just stay here with Sam in the RV." And. Can I charge my burn? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. 2d6 plus conditions marked. Let's go. All right. Oh, that's a three, but becomes a nine because of my six conditions. (laughs) Oh, yeah. While you were gone, Stitch was also speed running the conditions track. (laughs) How does Stitch have six conditions? (laughs) Stitch is special. Stitch is special. Um, I wish I could have six conditions. So it's like when her body becomes partially destroyed or something. Uh, yeah. So everybody has different conditions? No, everyone has the same. Stitch is special. She has one extra one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You can have six, all six at once, though? Don't you, like, pass out? Uh, only if you have to mark another one. Oh, so so I can still add another one. Yeah, yeah. See, you're fine. Oh, okay. I'm so excited about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> no more conditions for you. <laughs> We're cutting you off. But then I can charge my burn super easily. Would you? Would you get? Did you get a the nine? The nine? Uh, I think you hold three burn, but mark one condition. Is that right, Thea? What's that? The for charging the burn. Oh yeah, uh, seven to nine. You mark a condition. Okay, so in this process, Stitch is going to regenerate. So, for the folks following along at home, uh, what does Regenerate do for Stitch? When you're taken out or you have to mark your final condition as a newborn, you have the option to trigger an emergency regeneration process, which I thought would happen in combat, but, you know, here it is, charging burn. Uh, If you do, your body undergoes an unpredictable transformation, and in mere moments, you're back on your feet and ready to fight. Clear three conditions and choose three from the list below. I chose change my physical appearance. Forget all my lessons and swap an ability. Whoa. And I am going to unmark afraid, insecure, and hopeless. So describe this visually on the page. So as <laughs> there's a little bit of distance and Zoltana has started to walk away, Stitch goes to channel her magic and it just doesn't work out. She screws it up, and she just kind of explodes into, like, a big poof of thread. It's loud, and there's, like, a flash of light. Almost like a balloon pop in slow motion, but it's just thread that flies wildly everywhere. And moments later, it's going to rapidly regenerate, and Stitch is going to have taken a new form. It's going to be a happy little merger of pastel goth meets high fantasy white witch. She now has a witch's hat that is cream-colored with a knitted white ribbon around the base, high-heeled witch boots, pastel red, orange, and yellow plaid skirt with a white-knitted hoodie with a neon pastel pink, orange, and yellow skull graphic that has a needle crossing between both eye sockets. Her hair is a very noticeable pastel red 
and it's styled like Young Shining Chariot. It's a messy neck length bob with her bangs and the rest of her hair curling upward. All of her lessons are now internalized. They're kind of becoming a part of her. And she's going to brush herself off and say, Okay, well, that didn't go exactly as planned. Whatever. She looks both ways. Oh, neither of them's fast enough. And I want to use two of my burn to just teleport to Midas' side with my flare move. I can move anywhere if I spend two burn that I have ever been. Whoa. Heck yes. Before you, like, leave. So it was it was loud, right? So everyone would have, like, heard you regenerate. Yeah, like a thread balloon popping. I yeah. don't know what that sounds like, but also picture that. also screaming right now. Just like, Because <laughs> I, th- I think before you disappear, like, there's a panel really close up of Ryan's eyes with just, like, love hearts in them. It's like full on cartoon, just like the pupils are love hearts. I don't know if KT's watching, but yeah. That's uh that's all. That's all. You're already my love, otherwise I would make you my love. But yeah. right after she leaves, um Ryan and KT, you notice that Geotica comes out of the cave and looks around and looks at you and says, What? Was that? That was a being physically changing their physical changing state. Uh, that was hot. <laughs> it was indeed an exothermic like, yeah, reaction. No, no, K- like Katie, like, 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 uh, like, like, uh, beautiful, uh, smoking, like, uh, uh, sexy, you know those words, like like that that kind of hot, like uh like me, like like if you look at me and you're like oh my god, like that's a that's a pretty person, like that's what that was, but like times a thousand. That's that's not what I feel when I look at you. Uh, well, okay, I I I sorry, I don't, I guess I don't know like what your sexuality is, but I usually I have something going from pretty much everyone, but that's that's cool. I do not. I do not possess a sexuality. Uh, that's cool too. I actually have a friend who's um who's our ace. Yeah. I mean, there's still sexualities, you know, like. I do not know what an arrow ace is. Oh, I am a singularity. I think unless anyone cuts cuts Ryan off, Ryan is going to describe in great detail what asexuality and aromanticism are. Um, I think we'll um kind of trail off as Ryan goes on. Uh. Just kind of educating KT in the myriad of forms that is human sexuality. Uh, and we will pick up with Eden. Yeah, where have you gone to find Midas? How have you been tracking him down? Where are you at right now? So, I'm not with Stitch. No. Okay, okay. I think Eden knows that, like, the RV is still kind of needed where it's at. There's a mountain bike in the back of the RV. That That's mm-hmm. what he's using to get down the mountain. Bad um, I think once she's close enough to the freeway, she's going to... Mm. Are you <laughs> contemplating crime? 
I think she's going to jump on top of a moving vehicle and just hold on. Okay, there we go. There we go. I don't think there's any rules against that. I think no, it's frowned upon, but uh That's totally allowed. But I, I think that's how she's getting there. I I I don't know if Rin decided to come with. I only have the one bike. Um Yeah, no, she would tag along for sure. If she thinks Midas is in danger, she can like ride on the handlebars or something. Yeah, that's cute. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's kind of how we're getting back to town. Awesome. I do think that Eden might, as she's on her way back to town, um, text Shrike. I think she's um I think she's been feeling a little like weird about him since their encounter putting together the Pride Library. I don't think she's even really consciously aware of like why she feels weird about it, even though I think it's probably obvious to literally everyone else. But she just feels like there's like unfinished business there or something. Like there's supposed to be something that she's doing with this relationship. So I think she's going to text him and just give him coordinates with the option to show up if he's not busy. (laughs) It's like the least romantic way to ask someone out ever. Well, she she doesn't think she's asking him. <laughs> Just if he thinks that, then that's on him. <laughs> coordinates, beat up criminals? Question mark. I mean, I guess I don't know where Midas is, so maybe I don't have coordinates yet. I mean, you could probably track his phone. Okay, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Stitch's communicator surely has GPS. There we go. I mean, and she will be. I don't think I know that's where Stitch was going. Fair. <laughs> she doesn't really communicate where she's going. I, yeah, I, I don't know, like, where she would have learned to do that. But uh, I, just because all of the other Midnighters never tell anyone where they're going. I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also true for Midas, and I think it's also true for Eden. Yeah. Well, I, I think especially because, like, there's just some weirdness going on in the mountains. Like, Sam just kind of passed out. Cardigan exploded. You know be like that sometimes it do be like that so anyway i think i'm that's a really long way to say i think i'm tracking midas's phone to a warehouse in the cannery district (laughs) excellent that is that is what it sounds like so let's pick up on a rooftop opposite said warehouse where you are serving the warehouse and there's a a swoosh and a light thud behind you so uh is this the place? Oh, you came. I, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Is, is everything okay? What's going on? I just thought you'd be busy. I think she thought he'd be busy and she could invite him without actually having to then follow through with hanging out with him. Uh, oh, you know, I was, uh, I haven't been spending as much time with Black Falcon, have some more free time. You know, I just want to get away from Farsac for a bit. What's up? Why are we uh, scouting out? And he hits a button on his visor and kind of does a little... Uh, Jack Steele? Um, Eden rolls her eyes at the the suit. Because um, she's just using her own eyes. That said, I don't think she knew Jack Steele was in there, so that, that's going to pique her attention a little bit. 
can I activate been reading the files? I know like this isn't like the Midnighter's first encounter, but it's really Eden's first encounter. I mean, yeah, it's the first time you encounter something. Okay. Absolutely. Go for it. It's an eight. Heck yeah. All right. So yeah, you get to tell us one fact about Jack Steele. And then I will tell you what, if anything, is different. Um, so Eden's going to kind of like pinch the bridge of her nose like she's trying to remember what she knows about Jack Steele. And she's going to say, Gloriosa once fought Jack Steele in his underwear. I mean, he was wearing his underwear. She was not. That's not important. What she noticed <laughs> was that he has a lot of scars on his left side. I think it's easier to land a blow there. Wait, did you just say she wasn't wearing underwear? And she wasn't wearing his underwear. Oh, no, that makes a lot more sense, actually, now that I think about it. Like, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That was not the important part of that story. Right. No, I just kind of got hung up on it, you know, because I'm trying to visualize it. And then it just, you know, threw everything <laughs> off. Gloriosa, was he uh, Belladonna's protege before you? She was the first one, so three people before me. Oh, oh, right, you know, cool. Huh. What I'm saying is go for his left side. No, I heard that, I heard that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you? Um, hey, uh, when did your uh, other teammate get here? She came with me. She has a sword. <laughs> oh, no, I was talking about the person who's already inside. And, uh, Stitch. You have just materialized right next to our good boy Midas. Midas, your friend Stitch has appeared. Well, someone has appeared. Midas looks like shit. <laughs> um, he looks like he has had the hell beaten out of him. And in fact, Midas, you have. Mm, literally. Literally. Uh -huh. They are quite literally draining the nightmare liquid from you. <laughs> Uh, Jack Steele is uh, in his office at the moment. He's kind of taking a break. You know, he's got to rest his arms after a little bit, you know. Yeah, what do you what do you make of this sudden appearance, Mr. Midas? Uh, I'm a little bit confused because I don't recognize Stitch. And so I say, who are you? Stitch looks a little hurt over at my... It's me. It's Cardigan. I mean, I know I have this fancy new hat, but it's still me. Oh, well, maybe it's just because I'm upside down and literally dying. Could you get me out of here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I don't know. It just kind of kind of look comfortable. And she's <laughs> going to just the needle's going to cut you down real quick. Kind of catch you or help you down. However, however you need. Cool. And uh, as your feet hit the floor, spotlights come on in the rafters above you, illuminating you in the center. The ring. Jack Steele says, now, 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 we can't have you disappearing that easy, us. Boys, go tie up our prize. Can I do something else? Yes. <laughs> what would you like to do, Mr. Midas, as these... Uh, 
large, shadowy uh, figures start moving towards you with ill intent in their eyes. Um, I'd like to take... I'd like to spend two burn and take an automatic 10 plus unleashing summoning every bit of hellfire I can summon left and just unleash it in the general direction of every figure and voice that I heard. Excellent. So what is, how do you draw this cacophonous amount of power towards you? What does it look like on the page as you are charging up this attack? And what is the look on Stitch's face as you realize that Midas is about to literally unleash hell in this warehouse? Uh, so basically suit is kind of like, you know, not being drained anymore is like reforming and mm-hmm. just concentrating all like into the the arms of suit and just like starts glowing from from feet on up to head and then like down arms just like glowing cracks through suit stitch has an impressed look but kind of sneers a little bit and says you know magic doesn't have to be so nasty and she's gonna sparkle a little bit and flip her hair Sometimes you gotta get nasty. And <laughs> with that line, we cut to <laughs> the just a shot from behind the shoulders of Eden and Shrike as they're looking at the warehouse, and every single window just explodes in fire. <laughs> and then we turn the page, and we get KT and uh, Ryan and... Uh, their little buddy Finn. And you are following Geodica down this long cavern. Has these beautiful kind of faintly glowing gems studding the hallways at irregular intervals and these kind of like really intricate patterns. And it kind of keeps spiraling down and down. What do you, how do you guys, uh, what do you guys, how do you guys react as you're kind of taking in this incredible natural spectacle? As we descend, KT shall gently grab the photons coming off of the glowing gems and pull them along several distances like a freshly smeared oil painting. Darling, could you please not do that? Chiodica calls over her shoulders. The ley lines here are very delicate, dear. It takes quite a bit of work to keep them this inter- this uh, set up as they are. KT shall release them. I think Ryan is still rambling about sexualities and continuing to come back to uh, how hot Stitch was. I don't know if anyone's actually listening to him anymore, but he's like, yeah, so like they're a spectrum. And it's like, I, you know, I've always been like way more attracted to like, you know, like women and women aligned people and like, man, like, did you actually see, like, the giant hat that she was, like, it was so, like, I truly believe that she was sparkling. Did you see that? Moonflower had a hat as well, although it was nowhere near as large. Uh, like a, uh, like a a witch hat, like, like Stitch did, or? No, it was, it was a hat like Southpaw's, except 
clean. <laughs> <laughs> did not did not realize Southpaw was such a a dirty baseball player. It's just an old hat. It smelled like his excretions. <laughs> Ew, KT! Oh my god! It's <laughs> gonna kind of like like hike uh, Finn because I think Finn's still on my shoulders. Like hike him mm-hmm. up a little bit higher and then just like walk a little bit faster. <laughs> Geodica's explaining uh, as she's walking uh, about the the four great spirits that you'll need. Yes, uh, the first one is Lux, and she's. I have known her for uh, many decades now. She is the embodiment of light and order and magic. Great uh, caretaker of these mountains, the western pillar of the earth. Gaia is, of course, the uh, embodiment of motherhood and balance and life. But it is this uh, balance and humanity that is deeply troubling her. Egged on, of course, by the uh, accusations of Regolith, who is a a uh, titanic force of calamity and power and change, and it is he who must be appeased. And then, of course, there is uh, the problem child, the abyssal watcher. Not so much a spirit as a uh, malignant entity we cannot quite get rid of. He remains trapped deep beneath the earth, but still controls a that amount of sway among many of the elementals in the dark depths below. That sounded eerily similar to how Patrick describes me. Am I right, guys? Probably I do child. not know who Patrick is. I don't either. Oh, uh, I forgot you guys. Uh, you guys didn't meet. He's my he's my uncle. He brought the hot chocolate and the pizza. That's it. Don't, don't worry. Sorry, I'm making. Wait, I'm which one play? Hmm. The play in the park that we saw. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he was Titania, the like really beautiful blonde woman who fell in love with the donkey. I do remember that. Yeah, that's my uncle. He's pretty cool. Finn does not remember that. He fell asleep like five minutes in. <laughs> I mean. Ryan also doesn't remember it because Ryan didn't see any of the show. <laughs> <laughs> For totally different, legitimate reasons. The, uh, uh, but yeah, the so like, anthology, issue three. Is um uh what what exact like are we are we supposed to talk to this 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 spirit or are we are we going into a fight? I just want to know before I I have a child oh, on my shoulders. Goodness, darling, I hope you do not want to get in a fight. <laughs> to be uh take to uh the, uh the purity and innocence of children youth uh, you know reminder of the the goodness of humanity and that there is hope and uh, beautiful things to strive for all right little man so you're gonna be my human shield i'm not a human yeah you're gonna be my thin shield i'm not very big 
that's, no, but that's the that's the good thing. At the in this case, the smaller you are, the cuter you are. Okay. And with that, you round the corner uh, into this massive, massive cavern that's uh, ceilings go so high they just disappear into darkness and. The center of the the room is ringed with just more uh, luminous stones that are lighting everything from beneath. And before you stand, the four titanic spirits of the Earth. Lux is a floating formation of crystals that is moving constantly in and out and changing and reflecting light in different patterns as a... Uh, they dance among the ley lines of the earth. And Gaia looks like a huge kind of like almost like one of the like prehistoric like fertility statues of just like a, a large round woman made from looks like she's made from like freshly cooled magma, but there's still just like a little bit of orange glow and then covered with uh, sprouts of green and uh, new plant life. Uh, and then next to her is Regolith, who looks like a, almost like a dog, but if a dog was like the size of a mountain and made out of like cracking stone and magma and had a jaw like the size of a city block and had another mountain on top of it. But other than that, almost exactly like a dog. Like, <laughs> like Waldo and him are practically twins. And then the the fourth spirit is the Abyssal Watcher. Although it remains trapped deep beneath the earth, is visible through a scrying portal. This shimmering black veil hangs in one corner of the room, and through it you can see just a gigantic lidless eye that's, you know, like further across than Ryan is tall. And it's just encased in stone in all directions. And the darkness around it seems so thick and oppressive. It seems to, like, take a physical form. As you you step into these chambers and the eyes of these four massive spirits that have been on this earth since its inception and its creation and will be on it for millennia after humanity is long gone. They turn their eyes and look at the three of you, Finn, Ryan, and KT. Hi, moms and dads and parents. Right? That's Hello. Finn, Finn, call them, call them your parents. They'll like that. He is um, kind of doing his best to be small and behind you. Oh, is that on my shoulders still? He is not. He's kind of uh hanging off of your shoulders, kind of behind your 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 back muscles. You know when someone's got something on their back and they can't see it in like sci-fi mm-hmm. movies and mm-hmm. they're like spinning around. Yeah, that's that's Ryan. Like, Finn, what where where did you are you where did you go? And then so like even though Finn's trying to hide, it probably like doesn't work mm-hmm. because Ryan fully turns around. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it is uh, kind of as you were doing this, you hear Geodica's voice ringing out across the caverns. Great and eternal spirits of the earth, may I present to you 
these ambassadors of humanity who will plead their case for their continued existence. And she turns and looks expectantly towards the two of you, <laughs> plus Finn. Ryan is still... is so. I, Ryan's the only actual human. That is correct. And that quite is correct. unfortunate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's down to Ryan, huh? I mean, in KT... KT, that what, is unfortunate. What have you What have you learned about humanity? Maybe an outsider's perspective would be good here. You know, like what? Why do you hang around with us? You know, I have nowhere else to go. Yep, that's pretty. Uh, 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 it's not great endorsement. You could kind of try to sell it a little bit. I know we only I mean, met, but I could leave the planet and I can float along in the cold reach of outer space but space does not have boba tea <laughs> boba tea am I right if you destroy the world the city uh, the humanity no, bo- no more boba tea pearls as well tapioca as well as the muscle kind <laughs> uh I'm not there, but you guys are selling it. Yeah, yeah. Regulate <laughs> um, kind of turns to Gaia and they exchange a, a glance. Um, did you, uh, do, are you guys uh, benevolent enough to have like seen what happened, you know, just up? Because we had this awesome group hug that I think you guys would have thought was really uh, the epitome of humanity. Like, it was like, um, yeah, uh, I'm not great at words, but like the, uh, it was, it was so, um, uh, uh, love, the power <laughs> of love. Um, the entire room begins to quake and the earth beneath you begins to kind of shift and rumble as, uh, Gaia turns to Regolith, and they begin to speak in some, like, ancient tongue that sounds like shifting rocks and avalanche of stone. And, uh, Gaia kind of nods, or, uh, Geodica kind of nods along and turns to you and says, uh, yes, they are, are familiar with the power of love. Uh, how does it compare to the power of this boba tea? <laughs> <laughs> Without the power of love, Bubba T cannot be made. <laughs> I, I'm personally, I'm not a fan of Boba T, so KT should really field this question. <laughs> Big fan of love, though. I could talk about that one. Yeah. I could take it or leave it. <laughs> love? love or Boba T? Technically, a little of column A and a little of column B. <laughs> okay, um, How do so, we get on boba tea then? <laughs> okay, so um, um, the thing is, right? So uh, there's lots of different kinds of love. Um, I was actually just, oh man, I should have saved this speech for when I was down here. I was just explaining this to KT. But like, so uh, I have an uncle, my uncle Patrick, um, who I love and who loves me, like familially, like we're family. You know, we, he didn't, he, 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 he's not related to me by blood, but we're family, you know, um, found family. You guys heard of that trope? Anyway, so, um, 
there's also, you know, like there's romantic love, like which I had until she crushed me like I was nothing. I felt so small and this it's um what happens when you reveal a vulnerability or a weakness? Because uh, <laughs> I think that just happened. When you share a vulnerability or weakness with someone, give them influence and hold too. Spend that hold to help them as if it were a team in the pool. Ooh. So I guess uh, they already had influence over me, though, because they're adults, I'm assuming. Um. Yes, they are of legal age. They can vote. Mm. Are they uh, sitting though? <laughs> uh, yeah, Ryan is is a little bit lost in the source of uh, reliving some breakup trauma. Um, and I think uh, as we cu- will cut away from Ryan, uh, looking a little less and less sure of themselves in front of these four Titanic gods. And we return to the burning warehouse. Um, Eden, the warehouse has just exploded. You have just learned that another one of your teammates is somehow inside. <laughs> I do think at this point she's probably going to assume it was Stitch, because Stitch is the one who magically disappeared. So if she had to put two and two together, mm-hmm. I think she'd maybe draw the line between those two events. <laughs> Eden's normally a very assess the situation sort of gal, but I think that she is uh, going to kind of just charge into this one for two reasons. One that she, I think, is a little like sensitive to Midas being in danger just because like he did almost die not that long ago, um, mm-hmm. and she had some feelings about that. I think she also feels like she's aware in the back of her mind that she like left her teammates to try and negotiate with these ancient spirits and the fate of the world depended on it. So I think she feels like they might not be alive that much longer anyway. Mm, uh, that is a good point. YOLO. <laughs> so so I, I think she's going to just kind of like grapple down from the roof they're on and just run into this warehouse. Amazing. Stitch and Midas. It is, there is a fire everywhere. The fire alarms have gone off. Um, the sprinklers are on. They're doing almost nothing. This warehouse that you have lit on fire is uh, one of the storage areas of Jack Steele's uh, massive kind of shipping and moving and shaking business that he has. This one, where you are currently being stored, is where he holds uh, a lot of his like explosives and rockets and live ammunition. Nice. Yes. And yes, so you and Stitch find yourselves in the middle of a warehouse. The guards have been like thrown out of the building by the blast. Uh but things are are heating up even more as it were. The the warehouse has seen your 10 and raises you an 11. <laughs> What are you and Stitch doing? I use my remaining burn to create a moat barrier between Stitch and I and everything. (laughs) 
Awesome, awesome. So this is gonna be like a kind of like a dome or yeah, like a like a, big a bubble 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 force bubble force bubble force bubble. Excellent, excellent. And uh, what kind of material is this made out of? Is this like uh, just like pure fire? Is this like black nightmare magic? Is it? Uh, I'm gonna go. We're we're dealing with more some some more like black nightmare magic that kind of like gets pulled out of the floor. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Stitch, you are watching the rest of the room just keep exploding around you as this nightmare field is going up. Uh, what are you? What are you doing? Stitch is looking around and assessing the situation. Is what? Yeah, Stitch is doing. I'm gonna say, why don't you assess the situation? Seems like the thing to do. That is a ten. Heck yes. So, what here is the biggest threat? Right now, the biggest threat is dying. Dying, yes. In particular, however, it it would be there is a large um, stack of crates that are filled with high explosive incendiary grenades. The, the fire is getting very dangerously close to, and if that catches, then like you can say goodbye to most of this block. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I behind, guess that also covers what here is in the greatest danger. <laughs> um, what here is in the greatest danger is kind of the behind the boxes and stuff over uh, through a bunch of the flames. You can see Eden has just burst into the warehouse and is looking for presumably you guys, but is unaware of the dangerous predicament she has placed herself next to. Eden, what are you doing? I mean, I think I'm becoming quickly aware of the dangerous predicament I just put <laughs> myself into. Oh, are you now? I think I also want to assess the situation. Go for it. That's a 12. So... Heck yeah. Um, I'm going to ask, how can we best end this quickly? You can best end this quickly by letting Jack Steele deal with the fallout. His the literal flaming fallout of his exploding warehouse and just get your friends a GTFO. Would not be great for the block. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean this is like a it's mostly Jack Steele's like block. But kind of his like warehouse depot area in Old Town would definitely be. Is Jack still here? It is unclear. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll ask who here is most vulnerable to me. Ooh, that is a good question. At some point, the answer has to be Stitch because she's at least always a little vulnerable to Eden. <laughs> Not necessarily uh-huh. this situation. I'm just throwing it out there that like that's always an option if Stitch is available. <laughs> I have to uh, imagine she's also fairly flammable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all somewhat flammable, but it just seems like she might be more so. Everyone's even. flammable if you try hard enough. I'm mostly just fire, so <laughs> I'm mostly flam. Yes, Stitch is flammable. Yeah, uh, most vulnerable to you. I think one of 
like over uh, by one of the edges of the warehouse, you can see uh, some Jack Steele's henchmen and like one of his kind of kind of right hand men is uh, kind of busy trying to supervise getting some really expensive stuff out of here as quickly as possible. But he's not paying attention to you guys. And if you wanted to, yeah, he is he is not looking at this moment. Okay. With my last question, I will ask, <laughs> which maybe I should have started with, what here can I use to put out this fire? Ooh. Put out this fire. There is a water tower on the building opposite. And if you could carefully, in a controlled detonation, destroy one of its support struts, you could tilt, have it collapse onto this warehouse and hopefully put out a majority of the fire before everything explodes. Cool. We're in a warehouse full of a whole lot of weapons, right? This is very true. <laughs> I'm going to look for one that can do exactly what you just said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, as part of that, as part of that, you know, kind of, you can use, <laughs> yes, you can use the water tower in combination with uh, the grenade launcher. <laughs> <laughs> Two excellent tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I'd probably need to roll for that. I don't know what that roll is. Um, Reshaping your environment. That's an unleash your yeah, powers. Gonna, yeah, it sounds like unleashing your, your powers. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, you're highly trained. <laughs> Water tower powers. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, weapons and combat yeah. and remaining cool under pressure. And... Yeah, no, that's all, that's all what I'm good at. <laughs> Okay, so that's roll plus freak. Oh no. <laughs> that's a five. Uh-oh. Well, we start out with one team in the pool. I, I'm just going to throw out there, I think we're engaging <laughs> a dangerous foe. I, <laughs> but the whole team isn't there. Oh my gosh. So when you engage a threat as a team, so it's dangerous to split the party. That's not on me. That's not on me, Aiden says, having refused help from the rest of the party. <laughs> well, they got refused help. I don't think anyone offered. I literally... Uh, <laughs> you're baiting me. I can't do it. <laughs> I think that's just a failed role, then. Yeah, I mean, because you said it's only one team in the pool, so one team won't do anything. It's yeah, five. Yeah. So you fire this grenade launcher, and uh, right as you do, the part of the warehouse kind of collapses, and uh, this like support beam falls down right in your line of fire as you're pulling the trigger, and it causes the grenade to go off like danger close. And uh, part of the the whole like wall of that warehouse side of the warehouse gets blown out. You get thrown backwards further into the fire, deeper into the warehouse, Eden. Go ahead and roll to take a powerful blow. I think I don't have any conditions marked. Ooh. That's an eight. <laughs> Without any conditions marked. Nice. Wow. 
Awesome. Well, okay, it's not a 10. It's not a 10. Not a 10. Mm-hmm. Did you know you could do that, Theo? I have any conditions marked. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> not for me. It's not my thing. Awesome. And uh, what are you going to choose from the uh, the 7 to 9 list there? Lash out verbally, give ground, or struggle past the pain? I think I'm just going to mark two conditions. So, so much for not having any conditions marked. I mean, that's what they're there for. Um, yeah, so Stitch and Midas, you are protected from the brunt of this explosion around you, but you see Eden get go flying past you back deeper into the warehouse. What are you two doing? Can I still see her? Um, yeah, you can see where she went. Cool. I'm going to just maintain the moat, but also just snappy, snappy, a portal underneath. That's not right under our feet, but Mm -hmm. still within the confines of this moat that uh, the other end of the portal is just underneath Eden. Ooh, I mean, that's definitely going to be an unleash your powers to try and maintain the the... The moat and create a portal. So roll 2d6 plus your free and then minus two if you are uh, hopeless. And he is because that's not. Wait, was that ever cleared or is that still perma marked? Yeah, no, that one's still still marked. Mm -hmm. So nine minus two is a seven. It's a hit. It's a hit. Um, So on, on a hit, you do it. On a 79, mark a condition, or I will tell you how it's unstable or temporary. Well, oh, well, I can, I can mark the last one. You sure can. <laughs> I might as well. I'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's it going to do? <laughs> Give me a What's it going to do? Kill me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Eden, as you go uh, tumbling backwards through the smoke, uh, you fall through the floor. You think it's collapsing beneath you, and uh, but instead you fall up out of the floor <laughs> in this force bubble, protected uh by Midas and Stitch. As there's just uh, explosions and fire in every direction all around you. Stitch, what are you doing? Stitch says, "Okay, yeah, this is what magic's for. Midas does it all the time, and." She doesn't necessarily believe that as she says it, so I'm going to mark afraid and use a mind of their own. Your powers evolve and mutate when you're facing an obstacle or threat that your powers would not be able to deal with. Mark a condition to gain brand new abilities. And uh, Stitch is going to try to become a firebender and start (laughs) weaving this flame. Yes! Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Go ahead and roll to unleash your powers with your newfound. Well, um, I, it could be unleash your powers, or it could be defending Midas and Eden. What do you think? Has anyone explicitly said out loud how dangerous this is? Because if not, she's just unleashing her powers. I mean, I didn't think it was necessary to say how dangerous <laughs> it was, but then again... Do you know how often things are on fire on television? Yeah, this is an Alicia Power. That's an easy one. Okay. <laughs> fire is not that dangerous, Michael. Yeah, yeah. 
Not okay. Me. That is a six. You successfully light more things on fire. <laughs> there is still one team in the pool, I will have you know. So, yeah, so, Stitch, you start weaving this fire around you, trying to clear a path for you and your friends to get out. But there's just, like, too much debris, a ton of smoke, and it's really hard to see, like, where to go. I I think I could assist or, with, with the extra team in the pool. Uh, you know, kind of looking out towards the, the nearest path of exit, um, I also open up a portal that just, it just kind of empties into the, the nethers of the nightmare realm, and it just, just lets some boxes of explosives and stuff just kind of fall in there. <laughs> You'll clean it up later. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> Um, so just open up a hole and let anything that's there just fall right mm, into it. Mm, into yeah, your hammer space storage compartment. Yeah, yeah. Not my not my fun. Not room. your personal one. Yeah, not my personal room mm, that has my fun weapons. You're more of just the general disposal area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Sakar, you know, uh-huh, just, uh-huh. just like you know, <laughs> the devil's anus. Everything just <laughs> just uh, piling out onto there. Mm-hmm. Except it's explosive. You paint a very vivid word picture. <laughs> it's, a, it's appropriate for <laughs> the nightmare realm. It counts. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So we see Stitch kind of weaving this path and everyone running for the exit. And uh, then the boxes, we see the boxes of grenades ignite. And we get a shot from the outside of the building. It's just, just like fire shooting out all of the windows and all of the doors. And then uh, we see our three heroes bursting out of the side as rubble and flaming debris and boxes start sinking into nightmare portals around you as you start fleeing into the streets and uh, out into the night. See, I'll just mark insecure because stitch knows she didn't she didn't quite manage to uh pull off that magic trick was it quite what she thought it would be but yeah uh and it's uh, harder than it looks on tv (laughs) shrike swoops down and kind of lands next to you kind of looks over at you guys and then kind of looks back over at the the flaming building and listens to the sirens in the distance Turns back to you, Eden. Says, uh, "So, another uh, another successful adventure, huh?" Well, we're all still alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I could help. Um, <laughs> you guys should should probably get out of here before Farsec arrives, or otherwise, I would probably have to arrest you, which would be like really awkward. Uh... You'd have to try to arrest us. That, that gets a chuckle out of it. It wasn't a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you guys ever want to burn down a random criminal's warehouse again, just let me know. Will do. Uh, say, uh, where's the rest of your team? Probably about to get us all killed. <laughs> and uh, 
as we turn the page, um, what is the um, kind of the the trail end of the conversation or train of thought or sentence or whatever that that KT and Ryan are trying to get across to these these great spirits of the earth? I had a I had an idea, but if KT wants to do anything, go ahead. It is your species, after all. I think um, I think Ryan. <laughs> I think Ryan realized quite quickly um, that he's not a very good spokesperson for humanity right now, but that remembering that what Geodica said about like children and innocence uh, is going to make Finn my love, and then try to like comfort Finn in a way that will allow him to like not be afraid of these big scary gods so that like Finn can have a turn talking <laughs> yeah um, so Finn now has influence over me wow Finn has influence over someone good job Finn thank you so yes I'm going to try and comfort and support um, you do what I do, um, again, Ryan's not great with like words. So I think Ryan's going to like let, like get Finn like off his back and then like turn around and face him so that he's still blocking the giant people behind mm-hmm. him and like put his hands on his shoulders. And out of Ryan's hammer space, uh, I think he's going to pull Sam's cap and put it on Finn's head. Um, and say, like, you got this little adventurer. Oh my god! That's freaking adorable. You better roll high, because that's awesome. Yeah, this is the problem with saying it before I roll. It's going to go terribly <laughs> wrong. I'm going to, like, stab Finn in the eyes accidentally. That is a 7 plus my mundane, which is 2, so that's a 9. Yeah. And because he's my love, I get to mark potential. And you have influence over him, so you get plus one on that roll. Oh, so that's a ten then. So that's a ten. So on a hit, they hear you, and they mark potential or clear condition or shift labels if they open up to you. On a ten plus, you can also add a team to the pool or clear condition yourself. Um, I'll add a team to the pool. And Finn takes this very seriously and kind of sniffs and kind of wipes his eyes a little bit. Nods. I said, okay. And turns around and looks up at the giant gods in front of him. Well, I, my family, we got kicked out of our home because there was like a big war and stuff underwater. And you guys might not know about it because you're like earth people. Um, but yeah. And so we had to leave and we had to go to the town down there. Um, that you might want to squish or something, but we met my friend Sam there, and he and his dog are the two nicest beings you will ever meet, and they took us in, and they gave us home, and they gave us shrimp, and some delicious uh, food, and they helped us build our little house, and and yeah, now we have a place to stay, even though we lost our home. And if you get rid of that, then 
then you're just, you're just as bad as the people who destroyed our first home. Ryan's wiping a tear from his cheek as he like puts a little ha- a hand on Finn's shoulder and like gives it a squeeze. <laughs> Katie, you notice Geodica just like very just like let out just a small breath that she had been holding for like <laughs> an hour. <laughs> uh, do you do you say or do anything, Katie? <clears throat> I do not know if either of the four of you really will be swayed by anything that we say today. But I do know that watching the species, as I have for almost a year now, in the grand scheme of things, it will not matter. From what I've seen of these creatures that live on this planet, they possess a defiance within themselves that I have never seen in anyone else. A defiance that allows them to reach towards the heavens and dig into the depths of the earth and across oceans that everything else do not have the courage to attempt to. I think that you should spare them simply for no other reason, because if you tell them to march towards the right, they will turn left. They might sit down. They might plant wheat, grow, and harvest, and make bread simply because you may break their little fragile bones. You will not crush their spirits. Mm. Ryan's going to punch you on the shoulder, affectionately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gaia starts to um, glow warmly from within. She leans down and with uh, extends a massive hand and with her gigantic finger that's the size of like a semi-truck trailer, just gently boops Finn on the nose. Royal Bramble. Welcome to the Midnighters. Thank you. And I think that is where we will end our comic. We better do our our end of session news for everyone. Cool. Let's start with Eden. You grow closer to the team, grow into your own image of yourself, or grow away from the team. I think that I grew closer to the team. Ooh, who made you feel welcome? Um, I think that Midas did. Just because I think she did have this moment where she thought he was going to die again. And and that made her sad. Awesome. Uh, Midas, you get influence over Eden. What? Yeah. And then Eden, you can clear a condition or mark potential. I'm going to clear insecure, which was one of the ones I took when I missed that uh, water tower. Awesome. Because Shrike was there. So it made me insecure. That that checks out, actually. Yes. Mr. Midas, 
This is me. It is you. Do you grow closer to the team, grow into your own image of yourself, or grow away from the team? I will say close to the team because my team came to rescue me, and that was that was pretty nice. Which uh, which teammate in particular did you grow the most closest to? Um, I will say Stitch because Stitch was the first one to show up to help me get out of there. Awesome. Stitch, you gain influence over Midas. And Midas, you can clear a condition or mark potential. Mm. Well, I'm only one potential away from an advanced one. It's so juicy. So uh, I'll probably leave my conditions. <laughs> I also get to uh, shift Midas's labels because I Ooh. already have influence over him. Heck yeah. How are you shifting and... I was going to shift his freak up and wait, can your freak go up? Yes, it can. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, shift your freak up and uh, I'd probably say your superior down because this is the second time she saved you. So she uh, appreciates the help with the magic and can tell that you're much better at it than she is, but is also unimpressed that, you know, she saved you twice. <laughs> not like in like a hateful way but she's like oh you know maybe this is the thing now I have to save Midas yeah you know they say it'd be like that sometimes it do be like that sometimes KT how about yourself I think KT has grown into themselves Ooh. over the course of this uh, volume they uh they had a lot of time to think while laying on a cloud. Mm-hmm. Mm, a lot of introspection. Uh, go ahead and shift your own labels and explain how you see yourself now and why. We, uh, we are going to lower our superior and raise our mundane. You are different from everyone sometimes. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not as advantageous. But that does not mean that it is necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it just is. Miss Cardigan Weaver. I also think Cardigan has grown into her own image of herself. Yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think she is going to shift her superior down to zero because she's realizing she has a lot to learn and she's going to shift her freak up because even though she has a lot to learn, she has discovered an untapped well of power and she will be exploring that. Amazing. And, uh, finally, uh, Ryan, do you grow closer to the team, grow into your own image of yourself, or grow away from the team in your, your first volume? Yeah, I'm trying to decide if it's grow closer to the team or grow into my own image, because obviously I've, like, never worked with the team before, so I'm definitely closer, but I also think that, especially the end of this volume, is more grow into my own image of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think um Ryan 
as much posturing as he does, was still a little bit unsure about whether or not he was a hero, but he just saved, you know, humanity, uh, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So I think I'm going to raise his savior and lower his freak. Badass. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. It was a wonderful volume, and thank you for joining us, Kaylee, and welcome to the Midnighters. Thank you for having me and my silly little lesbian. Wonder World Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation, by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at Galvanic Man. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on Instagram at Big Sky Charlie. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Graviton is played by Sawyer A. The Righteous Flame is played by Theodore Hampton, who can be found on his website at theohamptonphoto.com. Stitch is played by Justin Reed, who can be found on Twitter at WWComicsStitch. Mighty Briar is played by Kaylee Newberry, who can be found on Twitter at Kaylee underscore Newberry. Wonder World Comics is produced by Michael Dunham and is edited by Michael Dunham and Justin Reed. The music is from Dvorak Symphony Number no. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.